This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Black Mirror Cracked Season 5. This episode has been tagged explicit as we discuss themes of a sexual nature. There will be spoilers ahead, and you have been warned. We're not gonna fight. We're gonna kiss. Kiss. Like, kiss. It's the only way, we gotta know. No. If there are fireworks, then, okay, bang. It's an us thing, whatever. At least we got a foothold on. Hello and welcome to Black Mirror Cracked, the podcast where we discuss, analyse and break down all things Black Mirror. And yes, here it is. Season 5 kicks off with a bang with the first episode, Striking Vipers. So let's attach our VR units and dive straight in. My name is James Ide, I am your host, and today I am joined by the lovely... Don Peppiot. And what do you do, Dom? I am the gaming reporter over at Daily Star. Oh, Star. Oh, <laughs> evil. <laughs> um... Right, so uh, let's go through a brief synopsis of what happens. So uh, when old college friends Danny and Carl reconnect in an immersive VR game, their late night sessions yield an unexpected discovery. Both men are becoming bored of their romantic lives and the two friends develop an intense sexual relationship in the game and struggle to understand what it means and how it defines their friendship. Tensions build and Danny becomes more distant with his wife, Theo, and the virtual and the real world seems set to collide with explosive results. <laughs> Do you think that sums it up? Just I, about. I think that sums it up in a, Anything in a, missed? a vaguely spoiler-free way as well. If you, uh, I know uh, I put I put a few in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the first thing I want to ask the the technology, the the VR technology, which is kind of unnamed. However, it does bear an uncanny resemblance to USS Callister's uh, Infinity. Uh, device uh, in this i think he just refers to it as the experience disc but i assume that's just the name for the peripheral on the box it does uh, have the tckr logo oh. which is from the san junipero episode oh, uh, so it's the same technology oh. sort of links together there oh i'm glad i got you on the show <laughs> showing me up already but no that's fantastic okay cool um so would you use it is my first question i mean as a as a Big fan of VR. I would absolutely use it. Yeah, yeah, 100% straight in there. And how would you use it? So you just use it for regular use? Or would there be some X-rated? <laughs> I think if you look at... Some questions. Well, so. I think you can look at current tech that's out there for an answer to that. People are already using VR. It's already massively sort of cottoned onto the porno market. Yeah. And that it's is... Very it's not even mainstream yet. So I think... I'm going to say 90% of the people would use it for the explicit reasons, but about 10% say they would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be advertised as just a gaming immersive thing. But yeah, everyone would yeah. deep down know what it's actually for. Kind of like VR. Yeah, exactly. You know? Everyone knows what you can do. Everyone's <laughs> going to try it out. Everyone's tried it out and <laughs> have their own thoughts. I, of course, haven't. But, uh, you know, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Danny and Carl, are they a gay couple or are they just using it like porn as um, Carl 
uh, alludes to, or is Carl possibly trans? Or is this a friendship whose boundaries have eroded? Or is it just a bit of excitement from their unsatisfied lives? I think it's a big, it's a big question. It's a big question. <laughs> Start off with a bang. Uh, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of dynamics at play. So it intro introduces us. Uh, was it like 11 years before the main events yeah. of the episode? So they're um, both about 26, 27, something. Like uh, yeah, that. 27. I think it says by mm -hmm. the mathematics. And they are they have the relationship built around video games that they hang out together. Clearly, like smoking weed together, have that kind of like I'm going to say bros. It's very broy that relationship. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah it's, it's it, very heteronormative very heteronormative yeah. in the same way that even the game they play actually it's, it's you know next game. to an fps it's the most socially acceptable male yeah absolutely. you know game to kind of play together yeah totally and it is something that i think i know a lot of like bro communities a lot of guys that love fighting games and that that whole scene is very charged and kind of a, i'm going to say aggressive but very macho in mm -hmm. its own way um and yeah i think what their relationship evolves into it's really difficult to ascertain as to what, how would you label that? Because the, the avatars they're using, one is male, one is female, but mm -hmm. both of them are male people playing that. And that in itself introduces like aspects of like body dysmorphia is yep. the, is the uh, Carl's sort of um, roommate. Is he, does he feel more at home in the female body? The only bit or of right. Maybe he just likes the contradiction. I mean, he's yeah, absolutely. a, you know, fairly uh, typical macho black male, um, but he much prefers playing a woman. And he explains why as well. Well, he explains sort why sexually, yeah. yeah. But there's obviously something to it. Uh, one thing I found very interesting about the way they play the uh, Striking Vipers and the way they play, <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink, uh, Striking Vipers, is they pick the same characters every time, uh, which made sense in the 11-year before because it's just a sort of virtual fighter-esque uh, Soul Calibur-esque knockoff <laughs> kind of uh, beat-em-up. But... You know, when they're actually using it f for their relationship, there's no reason to stick to the same character. If anything, I would probably change it up. You'd go and try more, right? Of I mean, course. There's a polar bear in there. He mentions oh, that I in love the episode. That. I love that. <laughs> oh, I have to get to that later. But yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's a whole wealth of experiences there. So I find it very interesting that he sticks to um, he sticks to Roxette. Yes. Which is really, really bizarre i mean i'm not that surprised that danny sticks to lance uh because he seems a little bit more less open to yeah, everything absolutely. where as carl seems to be willing to try things he, he's a bit more sensitive and a more a bit more emotional in his own way maybe slightly tech savvy as well in like trying yeah. to you know very i also get the feeling about. he has the time to, yeah absolutely like i get the feeling he'd played this before like i know he says oh in the shop they showed it to me I don't think that's it's true. Like, hey, buddy, guess what I've got for you? you well, know? that's another thing that we'll get to <laughs> later. But yeah, he seems to know a lot about it and he has a lot more free time yeah, like, totally. when you cut between them, between his uh, Tinder dates and just milling around his apartment. He doesn't have a lot going on. Exactly. He's not married with kid. No. As Carl is. So, yeah, no. Exactly. And, and they each kind of unfulfilled their lives and they each want a little bit of what the other guy has, I think. Yeah, totally. You know, um, Danny wants to be kind of out there and feel young and to be, you know, chasing tail. That is such a, <laughs> I don't know what came to my head. And uh, Carl, of course, wants a family, he wants some stability, he wants something to look after. And I guess the only connection he really has left that we know of, and it's not even a great connection, is his connection with Danny. Yeah. Like he sees him once a year, which is awful. Or they communicate occasionally, 
you know, through uh, social media and uh, their game. Yeah, totally. Is, mm, so you, you asked a question about why they go for the same character every time. Yeah. And I think it comes into, I don't know how much Brooker knows about the fighting game scene and how fighting games, are, but obviously he's a big gamer. Yeah, he would definitely. With regards to the, you know, the sort of real deep down, like playing Evo level of fighting games. People main, right? You know, the concept of like you yeah, have a main character and you have the one person you always go back to time and time again. You know, all their moves inside out. Smash Brothers, it's Samus all the way. Yeah, well, well, you're clearly wrong. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, we're going to have to settle that debate after this. But yes, sorry, continue. Um, but I wonder if it's like in the same way as with these new digital avatars, you can have, you can learn the moves as it were, wink, wink, you know? You can feel <laughs> more at home in their body. Maybe there's some sort of synergy in choosing the same yeah. person over and over again. And that relationship, that those sparks that build up between Roxette and his character that might be something that might be one of the reasons you're pulled along that path now I can't remember in the uh, character selection screen because you only see it briefly and you only see it for the previous iteration but were there many other female characters I mean you see the polar bear you see <laughs> yes, someone you see the polar bear clearly based on Dulcine from Street Fighter whose name is Colleen which I think is a fantastic just about get away with it being different I thought the polar bear was almost like a reference to King from uh, was it Kuma Tekken? from Tekken yeah. absolutely 100% uh, there are a few on the screen I think but yeah largely they show you Roxette and that's, I think your attention is very much supposed to be directed to her. Right? Mm. wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Did you find the the way the episode deals with sex, did you find it gratuitous at all? Um, we were saying earlier that literally the episode starts and very quickly it establishes a few things. And one of them is, you know, this is going to be a sex heavy episode. Yeah, you said it was two minutes and 15 seconds into the episode, mm. the first instance of the uh, Not explicit that content begins. <laughs> writing this thing down. It's got a stopwatch and there it is. Um, I think it, the first Black Mirror episode that really explicitly deals with this stuff, and I think it does it in a way that is actually really good and really low-key, not gratuitous in any way. It's a theme of the episode and, and it's portrayed mm. as such. And sex has appeared in other episodes. Um, but I like to think this is one of those shows that always puts it in for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. It always has a mood. I mean, in things like the entire history of you, best episode of Black Mirror oh. ever, um, <laughs> the sex in that's kind of depressing and it kind of shows the, the terror of that technology in that episode. And in this, the sex is to either show a connection or lack of, yeah, totally. uh, which is, again, really sort of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I do think between all the characters and the configurations, the partners that exist in the real world, as it were, and the ones that exist in the game, say it's never gratuitous it could have been the way they've got it set up and what how video games deal with sex sometimes anyway it yeah. could have been very leaning into that and doing things that you might see in mass effect which is very male gazy yeah and it, it totally isn't that at all and i think it's a very accessible way of dealing with sex and again doing it from uh the uh actors in the game who are both asian and then from the pe people of color that are in the main part of the episode i just think it's really well dealt with i think it's really well accessible and mm. representative as well which is good for Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of the way uh, characters, uh, uh, you know, video games deal with um, sex, um, how do you think that, because that's evolved massively, like from, well, since gaming's been going on, and obviously big cornerstones of that are games like Mass Effect. Yeah, absolutely. That, that deal with the relationships, the interpersonal relationships between your character. Um, where do you think that is going? Do you think, because it's very weird that a beat-em-up game has a sexual <laughs> element. Again, something I'll yeah, get into sure. later, but um, yeah, like, do you think they're heading more towards this? Games are getting more graphic in their depictions of sex, like especially things like The Witcher as well. Yeah, totally. I think as an art form, and as, as loath as I am to use that term sometimes, it comes with its own, like, criticisms. Of course. Yeah. But as an art form and as, as a vessel to tell stories, sex is a massive part of that, a massive part of humans' interactions and the relationships we have. And if you don't explore them interactively in games, then kind of what's the point in telling those stories? Especially as, mm. like... 
um, we've got The Last of Us 2, like a, a big cornerstone game for Sony that's coming out soon. And one of the protagonists there is a lesbian. Mm. And what is the point of telling that story, having that approach, if it's not inherently sexual, if there isn't sexual part to it? Identity yeah, it politics would seem become, kind of neutered, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's they don't get to tell a point rather than tell a story, perhaps. And it's like, mm. it's there's, there's room for it. And I think also games like the recent Assassin's Creed game that yeah. has, um, you play as a male or a female character and can romance anyone you like. Wow. Good. Give people choice. Game is about escapism. Games are about maybe enacting fantasies. They're all about fantasies. Enacting yeah. fantasies you can't have. And that's very much what this, this goes on to here. It's just that I don't know many other games in the real world that you can romance other players and then do stuff with like online, you know. Yeah, I can't. That's an interesting concept. Think, the only thing I could think of was uh, in the, was it early to mid 2000s, that, that real life thing? Oh, Second Life? Second Life, thank you, that people got really into. And I remember seeing lots of weird sex stuff to do with that. And of course, mods for normal games as well, um, you know, adding sexual elements. Like, I'm pretty sure I've seen some weird Skyrim stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Dragons. Yep. <laughs> I can't unsee that stuff. I mean, yeah, wh whatever people like. If you like dragons, you know, no judgment. But I think Brooker is perhaps a little bit ahead of the curve there in, in um, looking at this, because even within the gaming communities, you don't see much multiplayer sexual stuff. That just doesn't happen. Mm. That's not talked about. That's not a thing yet, yet. Mm. Um, and I'm intrigued to see where that goes. And I think this is a quite an interesting look at the ramifications and consequences of what that technology would allow. Yeah. Like, I know, for example, like, going to move on to uh, at some point is it cheating is it cheating is oh, it actually happening yeah. the physical contact isn't there but you are keeping secrets well, so. yeah the, yeah yeah there's definitely a deception there um what are the potential positives for this type of technology i mean the way i was thinking about it other than for entertainment which is obviously what it's being used for in this episode you could uh, help people with severe physical disabilities you could help someone with say locked in syndrome or something like that uh, but it also is rife for abuse as USS Callister will show <laughs> us um, and also if you've seen the Netflix show Alter Carbon uh, there's this whole things about being tortured in VR which is horrendous um, you know can you think of any avenues for you know good or bad uh, use for this technology. I think if you uh, actually in the episode when he mentions his, his bad leg when he, he, he fractured or injured his leg at some point yeah. I thought that's the route it was going to go down I thought that might have been a thing that gets progressively worse and he escapes into VR to kind of deal with that mm. again fantastically diverted away from that and yeah. subverts your expectations at every turn but he is kind of physically a little bit um, dis uh, he, he's falling around the place when he first starts you know he doesn't quite know also because he's new to the yeah, game exactly. but, he's, but he's obviously in a much more physical environment and it's a physical based game so he's kind of discovering his body, body. yeah again. absolutely um and and obviously have to let go of the limitations of his actual body so that's quite an interesting absolutely. thing to explore as well i think in terms of like the avatars that they select as well in terms of again um carl choosing rookset um I think there's a lot to be said there in terms of like perhaps dysmorphia or people that feel they're born in the wrong body and how they can use mm. avatars to perhaps explore that in a way that we can't currently. So mm. if someone is experiencing dysmorphia or if someone is, you know, confused about their identity, it might be a VR might be a fantastic way of letting them, for example, like try, try on. It's a very safe way to yeah, try, exactly, isn't incredibly it? Or to just safe. experiment with it, even if it's not, you know, an indicator of anything further like trans or anything like that. Maybe it's just, uh, well, I'm exploring this part of my personality or maybe I just like considering, especially if it's say a third person game, I'm going to spend the next few hours looking at the back of a person. Why not be a woman? Yeah, exactly. I, I think this, that whole idea of like, everyone always criticizes the idea of like, um, fan service in games making characters attractive mm. and when it was just mostly female characters it was a bad idea but now all the games characters are getting 
everyone's gorgeous. I think it's kind of leveling the player field a little bit. And again, it's a, a lot of it is escapism. A lot yeah. of it is fantasy. And I kind, I kind of think it's, so. it's, it's just like everyone. Hollywood cinema, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Mainstream cinema. You can't complain that you know, even in films where someone's supposed to be like grimy and like awful looking, or or let's say unattractive, like a massive nerd, and it's just they're wearing glasses. Absolutely. They take the glasses off. They're still goddamn hot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's very stupid. It's one thing I always found weird. And yeah, I sometimes feel that way about video games as well. Uh, you know, like or like uh, I play a lot of RPGs, and obviously there's a character progression element there. But the level one version of you is still a buff. Yeah. <laughs> all gorgeous like buxom whatever you look almost functionally identical to the way you're going to be at a level 100 you know there's no physical change there and you look pretty capable from when you start out although you're like punching rats or whatever so just dressed in rags yeah so the more powerful you get the less clothes you the wear less clothes, yeah, well yeah <laughs> and there's lots of uh, debate about how uh, women are dealt with in video games uh, especially the way their appearance Armor, for example, we've all seen in games, uh, you know, a man will get a full set of armor, a woman will get the same set of armor and it's all full plate, except for her, it's a bra. Yeah. <laughs> protects yeah. nothing but the titties. Call it the boob window, you know, that kind of whole thing. <laughs> the power girl thing from DC or Marvel. Oh about, God, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, the way that women are visually represented, uh, I think still needs to mature a bit in video games. And credit to Black Mirror, I think the, the various skins that Roxette wears during this episode are yeah. A, bang on for the aesthetic they're going for, yeah. and B, not... She's pretty covered up. Like yeah. I kind of thought, especially when the sexual element was revealed and when there were sex scenes in the virtual world, I thought, are oh, you going to see some proper stuff? <laughs> um, but no, they, no, they dealt with, with it. I think she's relatively covered up a lot of the time like and and even the sex scenes are fairly tasteful yeah. nothing's seen and i think some of that also that, that contrast makes it even more powerful because the last yeah. sex scene when he's got a hand around her mouth and a hand around the throat and fingers in her mouth yeah that feels more explicit even though she's fully clothed or mostly clothed yeah and i think that in itself is a conscious decision surely yeah so, yeah, yeah. yeah these men are both uh quite stereotypical macho uh, men and it's interesting that in this private world, they can explore their sexuality. This is something especially difficult for, say, um, you know, uh, black men who want to explore maybe a more sensitive aspect, maybe um, other genders, maybe other sexualities. Um, I think that's that's really, like, really cool, really interesting that they've kind of put that into the episode. What do you think of that? I think it's interesting. I will say at this point that as a bisexual guy... Mm. Um, my attraction to women and whatever in the past been fine. Yeah, whatever, normal, like, you know, heteronormative. Yep. Um, it wasn't until a bit later on in my life that I started exploring my attraction towards men. Mm. And even as a white guy, cis white guy, I find that very difficult, you know, the, the gay fear thing of like yeah. approaching these things, trying things out, fear of judgment, fear of um, uh, uh, backlash or whatever. Um, especially if you add the intersectional part of that, where you've got like people of color doing the same thing. Yeah. I think... As you say, it's a, it provides a safe space, a private space. And that mm. is something that I think is really interesting. And as this of good things that this tech is for, that is absolutely one of them. Like yeah. I say, allowing for curiosity, allowing for experimentation, allowing for um, freedom of expression if in places that may not let you be free freely to express in the real world. Mm. Especially that it's um, fully physically realized. I think that adds an element to it. And of course, in this case, it's sexual, but that's quite interesting. You could experiment with a lot of things with full kind of touch and feel uh in there um the fact that these characters uh have sex means they've been programmed with that function <laughs> in a beat-em-up game um hmm. like yeah I, I find that kind of weird what do you think of that that 
I'd be really interested to know what the development studio was and what their game was. Because it feels to me this is like a Street Fighter analog, right? A lot yeah. of the elements are there. A lot yeah. of the things are there for Street Fighter. I don't think Capcom at, the, at, at any point soon going to make some sort of full-on sex sim. I don't think that's in their remit. So it's an interesting yeah. sort of path for Brooker to explore and like sort of pull that thread out of that Yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird sort of tangent. The only closest analog I can think of to it is something like Dead or Alive, you know, with, yeah, sure. with gratuitous, you know, female bodies and uh, <laughs> boob physics, which is a real thing. Um, that's the closest I can think to, to having sex in these. I, I can't think of why, especially at this point, why even put it out as a beat-em-up game if you know that everyone's just going to... This can happen inside it, right? People are going to just w- use it for that. Also, from my looking at the episode, some of the effects and some of the kind of like, I'm going to say frame data in the fighting game, mm. it looks quite rudimentary. It feels like that's tacked yeah. on. Maybe the sex part is the full part of what's supposed to happen there. And uh, That's very interesting. Yeah, if that was a deliberate thing. I mean, I feel that it maybe wasn't. <laughs> But, you know, you like, know, Charlie very rarely goes wrong. So, <laughs> so maybe you're right. Maybe the game is advertised as a a sex game. Beat him up, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh. <laughs> it, it does raise interesting questions about the ethics of that sort of thing. Cause yeah. Especially when it comes to digital avatars. Because mm. there was a game a few years back from a, a French studio, um, Quantic Dream. And mm. it, had, it starred Ellen Page. Yes. And oh, they, I remember this. They, they rendered and modeled a fully nude version of Ellen Page. And yeah. then you could through mods and cheats, kind of perv on her in the you shower. do all kinds of horrible things. Now, yeah. I'm, I'm not too hot on my details on this, but I'm pretty sure she ended up taking that studio to she court did, for yeah. infringement of, of her personal right. And if you're looking at these games, and this is a thing that's going to happen in the future, who are the characters modeled on? Even now in games, you're seeing things like, again, Ellen Page, funnily enough, again, she looks like one of the characters from The Last of Us. Yeah. So that, was, that wasn't that was just because someone saw her and thought, that suits what we're going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're making a fighting game like this, someone models a character on Rihanna or someone models a character on someone that hasn't got the explicit permission, where do the ethics turn over there? Because it's a virtual representation. It's not an actual copy, but it's still, especially the game that will allow potential sexual violence. Mm. One other interesting thing is you're talking about the, you know, whose likeness and whose appearance. Also, whose feelings yes. is that? It's recording, you know, it's it's giving some sort of stimuli. So who's to say that anytime you have sex, it wasn't, say, recorded through, I don't know, a loving couple or something, and that could then apply to you when you play the game. Does that make sense? Like, you know, like, like voice lines, you know? If you're exactly. doing something to a character and that character's got stock voice lines and you're hiring someone, how is that used? Who is are people disclosed fully when they're, when they're recording that? Mm. Yeah, interesting dilemmas and, yeah and, and what it will put on the the game when you're actually experiencing that character because different voice delivery will of course affect how you hear it whereas different sensual experiences could affect how you feel it does yeah. that make sense yeah, absolutely. like it could completely add a completely different dynamic which oh yeah that's a whole yeah. other tangent that you, we won't you, go down if you pull on this game as well what the two things that are in it basically are sex and violence and so yes. in the middle of that you've got sexual violence now people have like violent fantasies and experience between two consenting adults that can be fine yeah but in this game it doesn't feel like it could always be that situation imagine if you you meet a random online and you're fighting with them Mm. and then you uh decide to beat them but you know non-consensually right (laughs) oh god yeah yeah. if they suddenly yeah if they if they are knocked out as it were or or if uh to exit they had to they had to say you know yeah to quit so could you imagine if someone puts their hand over your mouth yeah exactly my god what do you do like because there's no interface there's nothing to touch there's no control delete there's nothing and you're just stuck in there and you can feel physical pain yeah totally as we totally know because they explain that so that sounds awful i think i do think that 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 lovely dark undercurrent that black mirror usually has i think it's alluding to that as well i think it's that's 
for us to think hmm how would we use this tech what other things be how would it be abused yeah exactly mm. i mean in real life video games are sometimes a cesspit online like you don't want to go online yeah. with a female voice or a female presenting voice because you're just going to get hounded at by like everyone basically they yeah and so i mean i was, like um first person shooters but my god i, I don't play them yeah, much exactly. with other people or if i do mute the hell out of everything because i don't want to hear it imagine that toxicity amplified in the game like this and where that would oh, go god, yeah the real world implications of that are pretty terrifying right yeah so. oh god um <laughs> so an interesting thing of this game that they explain is obviously that you can feel pain why on earth would you put them at that in a beat-em-up <laughs> like do you think it's to give the thrill because if you had the beat-em-up without the sensation do you not get the thrill i mean if you look at current vr we have no real feedback um so it's kind of a one-way thing I just don't understand why you'd want to include it, or at least a muted version. I mean, maybe it is muted, although I get the feeling it's not. No, it feels... I wonder if that's part of the thrill as well, the kind of the forbidden. Like everything is turned up. Everything you feel, pleasure and pain, it can both be there. And I suppose there's no consequence from it. While you can feel the pain, and yes, it hurts, it's the not, second the round resets, you're as good you're as... back to normal. Yeah, and that maybe that takes away some of the fear or some of the pain or some of the trauma. Yeah, Just so, to know that you're going to be fine in a minute. Yeah, exactly. It can be reset, bang, you know, respawn, respawn, mm. respawn every time. So, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a wuss sometimes. I don't particularly <laughs> want to be punched in the face over and over again. I mean, even if it heals up fine, I, I yeah, it's I, not pleasant. I do wonder, let's say, what, what the level of simulation of it would be. Yeah. You watch something like an anime where someone in Dragon Ball Z is getting absolutely beat into a pool yeah. and then they can just stand up. Like, are they feeling pain in the same way that we'd feel pain? You and I, these like... Yeah, well, it's, it's almost cartoon level yeah, of violence, which actually they have that in the episode. When they are fighting, which admittedly isn't for very long, it is over the top and it's, you know, Scott Pilgrim-esque, which yeah, is absolutely. fantastic and looks great visually. But, I mean, that would, like being thrown like that would break your neck. Like that would just really hurt. It's like in the new Mortal Kombat, you can do these mid-round moves where you break yeah. people's spines, rip their eyeballs out, and then they're just like, mm, okay, carry on. Yeah, That's that it. I never understood. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought it was a cool uh, mechanic in, in Mortal Kombat, but, you know, when it's like, zooms in on someone's knee and it just shatters <laughs> and it's like well that's that then they'll have to sit out the rest of the match like my my brain can't really do that suspension of disbelief well it suspends disbelief to a point yeah, <laughs> but it makes me think that this episode so we know it's set interestingly the, when it says 11 years ago they're playing playstation 3s they've got the play ps3 controllers really? in their hands oh, and i wow. wonder if that's them saying like this is 11 years in the future which kind is... of with ps1 slash ps2 graphics yeah, i mean true. they didn't look great because <laughs> that's what threw me off i'm like when is this is this the 90s because it doesn't look right but yeah sorry um so i wonder if what that means is we're supposed to think this is near future yeah the the whole tech they're using and the control pad and everything it's all very very similar to sony psvr very similar i think i don't think that's unintentional either mm. because the pads they're holding in the episode look like ps4 pads as well so it looks like the generational leap the yeah the tech in this episode is pretty cool i i really liked how um they were putting the game into the controller it made me think the controller is the console <gasps> what a great idea and the phones in the episode are again they're futuristic but they're a slight leap from what we have now they're thinner and um, Carl has a, a folding version of a phone that isn't garbage. So that's definitely in the future. <laughs> but I thought that was really interesting. I can't remember any other uh, tech that kind of stood out. But it feels, it feels very near future, this one. Yeah. And when some but, I mean, Black Mirror famously does that. It's, it's always like, we're not going to give you a net. It's rare they give you actual dates. And it's going to kind of go, well, here's what we have now, but just a little bit sleeker, you know. Yeah, true. So you know that, oh, that, that could be next year or that could be next decade because it's kind of hard to place, which I guess they love not being able to be pinned down like that. 
remains to be seen whether we, when we rewatch these in like 10 years, whether they'll look horrifically dated and we're just going to be like, oh my God, people thought you could like bone in VR. That's, that's so stupid. Hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you never know. We might be in the future going like, this is great. I'm glad someone gave that developer the idea. Capcom on their piles of money in the future. Yeah, yeah. Just so you know, yeah, people will buy that. Um, do Carl and Danny have a loving relationship or is their relationship just sexual? I mean, sometimes it appears quite seedy and other times it appears very romantic. It's kind of hard to place. It's a good question. And I do wonder, again, because of having this sort of barrier between them of this VR relationship. Yeah. What does that mean? And the fact that initially Danny is very reluctant. They kiss. Oh, back out, back out, back yeah. out. He's kind of gently reassured the yeah. whole way by Carl gets into another thing yeah <laughs> i think they're on two different planes i really do i think for danny it's a bit of physical stimulus and a bit like as they say in the episode using it like porn i do yes. think that's for him it's very much that whereas i think um carl has the opposite where i think carl has the opposite uh viewpoint to that i also think he's more experienced in it and that's why he knows what he's doing with danny is there's something more to it like even if it's just within that virtual space, he still knows that. Look, I've been around. I've screwed a polar bear. <laughs> this is special. I enjoyed the line about him meeting someone from um, Holland uh, and saying, apart from the accent, I, you know, that was kind of fun. He's halfway there. Um, <laughs> he, he gets around. He tries it out. He experiments. He he sees the full breadth of what this technology can achieve to him, and yet he still wants Danny. And I think yeah, that's, that says a lot that's about kind of sweet, isn't it? But also, if you had that technology as well, like I, I just don't get why you wouldn't try everything, like. But maybe that speaks to the kind of person I am as well. I'm sure there are lots of people who are like, pick the male character, you pick the female character, we do it missionary. <laughs> Whereas I think a lot of other people would try everything. I'll be the polar bear, you be the snake, let's fight. <laughs> fight, yes, yes. <laughs> Is it, very important question, is it cheating? I think, yes, in the early stages of it. So we get to the twist after this as well, right? Which I think changes the whole dynamic and the paradigm. Yeah. But in the in the very in the run up in the sort of ninety percent of this episode, yeah, Danny's a bad guy. He's cheating. He's keeping secrets from his partner. Yeah, there's definitely an element of deception there. He's yeah. he's sneaking around. Yeah, exactly. At yeah. night when his partner's asleep and he's... fucking someone else, virtual or not. Yeah, and he's also I don't know whether this makes it better or worse, but it to me emphasizes deceit is he's not having sex with her but he is having sex. Yeah, absolutely. Which also made me question, and again, this is probably too rude, so Dan can be on the standby with this one, but do they jizz? <laughs> They're sat on the sofa kind of with their eyes all glazed over. Like, obviously that looks horrifying, but like, did it get up in a puddle afterwards? <laughs> I think that's an interesting thing because I think that's a very sort of like um, masculine approach to the orgasm. This idea of like a complete actual physical arrival at an orgasm. Yeah. Whereas maybe, you know, maybe it's a very mental thing and a very mental approach and you have yeah. the sensation and you, your brain does all the stuff it releases those lovely endorphins but nothing happens to your body if that's what this stuff yeah. can do you see it in San Junipero as well right but then that's very interesting that uh he then I think he does maybe once or I think it tapers off he does have sex with with his wife initially but it does taper off so he can still I, I just thought that was interesting yeah, like, or whether he was just like too I, I read it as he's getting more and more connected with Carl and therefore he doesn't want to or what he's getting from Theo isn't matching yeah absolutely and, so and that's kind of sad it's in its like, own way it's got it's got it has to be like a kind of a sum of 100 you know if he's giving 70 to um Carl he can only give 30 to Theo sort of thing yeah whereas I think 
and this is just my personal approach on this whole thing, but if you're honest about this kind of thing and you can have a communication and an open like dialogue, those bars don't have to each equal 100. They can both be their own bars out of 100, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You've not got one bar split between people. You can have different levels of relationship with each of them. As and long as you're not keeping secrets. Well, I was about to say, yeah, the, the deceit and the hiding things and the sneaking around definitely is going to be more exhausting. I've seen a lot of sitcoms and I know that having <laughs> two people or more running at the same time, that just doesn't work, you know? I think the most frustrating part of the episode for me was at their anniversary dinner and Theo gives him an out. Theo yeah. outright right there and then gives him an out and says... Look, if there's something going on, I can deal with it. She, she's very understanding in this whole situation. She I is, think. She's, yeah. a, she's a saint. And he's quite weird the whole time. Yeah, like he's he, a villain in this piece, I think. He becomes distant so quickly. Like, it sounds weird, but like, even... It's it's the, the fact that he shuts off from his actual family. Like, I can loosely understand the sexual aspect if he's viewing it like porn or whatever. But I don't understand the then denying your family and there's a bit where he's like sat on a bench just staring off and like theo's like you know where are you kind of thing and yeah the dinner as well and it's just yeah he completely withdraws from them i guess if that's his coping mechanism fine but if you're going to make the choice to have extracurricular affairs like this then mm. i think you owe it to yourself to have the communication especially ones like that are quite complex because it it brings up a lot of questions that he's not comfortable with about his own sexuality yeah, and about his friendship with his friend i mean you know it's it's quite a difficult thing for this this guy to deal with. He obviously struggles with it. I, he's not particularly, except with Carl, he's not particularly talkative no. with anyone. It, Do you remember the bit at the beginning when he's at the barbecue and the guy's like, I like bikes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, uh, motorbikes or regular bikes? Regular bikes. <laughs> oh, um, and, <laughs> and I did laugh because I was thinking, yeah, he's obviously going to pick the least cool of the two because the yeah. guy looked pretty square. <laughs> Again, I think in the fantastic way that Black Mirror is so good at setting these things up and then knocking them down. Yeah, that's intentional. Of course, it shows you that he's an awkward guy. He's an introvert. Yes. And that he, he he's allowed to express himself via VR or via this experience. He doesn't seem an introvert, though, when he's talking to Carl. Yeah, exactly. Like, in their conversations, they, you know, Carl seems super likable and makes all the effort and it seems to go really well and in the virtual world he you know uh, danny seems a lot more confident as well maybe not at first it's very interesting it's interesting i think those role reversals slightly as well in vr i think that's saying a lot about what it allows you to be and what it allows you to come out and that's true do. yeah and especially as carl's physically the, bigger than him yeah in, know, in, in real healthier. life but in um in the in the in the game it's yeah. um danny that's the dom as it were yeah he's the dominant person and, in that relationship carl obviously uh, enjoys the switch around you know exactly but, and interesting enough in that as well, you do see both men in their own relationships in the real world um, being the dominant force in their relationships with their female partners as well. Yeah. And I think that's shown intentionally to show that the contrast, especially with um, Carl in the virtual world where he's being the woman and he's being the one taking control of. I found Ooh. that an interesting uh, contrast. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, with the jump in uh, tech to VR and the level of detail and sophistication improving, do you think something like this would ever be available and what do you think the ramifications for that could be hmm. yeah it raises a lot of ethical quite like a lot of ethical questions mm -hmm. again about like what you can do if there's any kind of like um, do you have to like have like a virtual safe word do you have to have something programmed into your head or your eyes or a blink pattern that you can do to stop people doing taking advantage of you in the vr world and I think, a way to verify as well because oh my god yeah of course do you imagine if Okay, I thought at one point it might go down a really horrible route where, you know, his kid gets hold yeah, of, I the, thought that, yeah, of exactly. the game and then suddenly he just spawns in the game, you know, Carl jumps on him as they would and it's the kid or something. Yeah. I thought, oh no, please don't do that. Like a horrible please. Siberian film kind of moment, right? Yeah, like, yeah, and I was like, please don't go down that 
road and it didn't thank god yeah. but that's a real thing that could happen yeah totally or a thing that people might look for which is even worse yeah exactly and i think if you have this sort of tech people it brings out the bad people the bad stuff floats to the top and it will happen mm. you see you hear horror stories in the real world about even through something like twitter people stalking people and getting in touch with them that way mm. and that can be you can have a protected account or your stuff but people get in and get through mm. so if in they, this sort of thing there are there are bad people and if they really want to they will find a way I mean, Microsoft and Sony are doing everything they can at the moment to push parental controls and make them as customizable and robust as possible. Mm. So you'd hope that if that was carrying on for the next decade slash decade and a half or however long in the future we're expected this to be, then you'd think there would be things in place. Like there's always been adult content. There's always been adult entertainment. Yeah. And we've always just got a trust that we can kind of self-moderate and whatever. But when it comes into this and when it comes to people being posed a risk in their own homes via technology they use, yeah. there are serious ethical questions got to be raised. Yeah, and especially if there's experiences... Uh, within it other than the sexual you know the violence as well if that kid was just playing the vanilla beat em up as it should be i mean as a kid getting beat in the hell yeah, up absolutely. and feeling every second of it either he's going to be really hardened and messed up <laughs> or he's going to be traumatized though he might not even know how to quit i mean his dad didn't so yeah, you know absolutely. oh my god yeah it, it posed some horrible questions in a way that black Mirror is so good at doing yeah <laughs> the, the way that we like to look at and analyze and have nightmares about um could people become sort of disconnected from reality or then apply what they've done in the game to the real world? I mean, people are already using this argument with current gaming, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> I think it was just this week the UN added a uh, gaming disorder uh, or gaming yes, addiction did, as a natural yeah. disorder to its like list of internationally recognized uh, ailments. Yeah, which is very interesting because, of course, you've got half you know good number of people sort of rolling their eyes but then there's other people who genuinely do need help I yeah mean, totally. it's, it's a really difficult issue as well it's the same as anything you do you spend too much time and disconnect from reality enough with it and it's a problem it doesn't it couldn't mm. be gaming it could be people that watch television or films it's that you know i think gaming has this interactive element that makes it slightly more uh, addictive in some ways yeah and some games obviously especially the games that that's meant to target uh, are deliberately looking for that um I do think there's a so if you're going to use a sort of fighting game analog, Mortal Kombat is a game that is incredibly ultra violent, gallons and gallons of blood, cracking bones, people getting decapitated, sliced in half, whatever. That is an 18 plus game, and I know for a fact that a massive part of that audience is people, are kids from 15 up. Oh yeah, I used to play that game when I was yeah, a kid same here. Back, back in the day. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto when I was 12, you know, yeah. you just, these things happen. And you, you play those games and you do get exposed to them. Um, yeah, and that is going to happen. And um, explicit content that takes it just a step further it's not going to be protected from that. And I think it's still something that would be, if you are in a world where this exists and you're a parent, you've got to be the most, the most vigilant. Yeah. Or provide some sort of context or maybe, I don't know, talk to them about it or go, look, you, you might play this or you might see this. That's fine, but that's not what life is. Yeah, or like, totally. you know, or while you, as long as you understand that's a game, I'm, I think I learned very early on and I thought it was silly that, that these games had that rating when I was a kid. And even sometimes now I feel that way. But even as a kid, I knew other kids my age who couldn't differentiate and who would go, well, you know, I can smack people around like that in a game. I can do it in real life or, you know, other nasty stuff. That's why I think the push towards photorealism is really odd because when everything was back when graphics were really dodgy, mm. like it was, it was detachable enough that you could... Think, yeah. Oh, it's just fine. This there was like enough degrees pixels. of separation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And why stylizing in games sometimes helps. I think so. My, I prefer stylized games anyway. If you've got these they graphics. They age better. Yeah, they do age better. Isn't that yeah. right, Bioshock? Um, but I think if you do that in the real world, if you do, sorry, the push towards um, photorealistic graphics, especially things like Call of Duty, like the one that's coming out this year, looks like the best it's ever looked. And there's yeah. a terror attack in London. And that just feels a bit 
okay, sure, but if it's photorealistic, that that whole kids play this, you know, and yeah. separating these things and trying to kind of understand what is fantasy. You can't just sit and go, well, we made it in eighteen. Like, well, well, yeah, but still, it's gonna. Anyway, <laughs> uh, men are much more likely to sort of fall out of uh, friendships, especially uh, of certain ages, especially uh, sort of approaching 30 and make it, they find it much harder to communicate, uh, make friends and maintain them uh, due to kind of the way society treats men and how we should be and how we should not communicate. Uh, what do you think of that? I think it's an interesting thing. And I think that I know so many friends, even at my age, I'm 27. And I know so many people that stay in touch almost primarily through online games. Mm. So guys that I used to work with down in Bournemouth, I, I talk to online and through headsets because we can enjoy our hobby and we mm. can maintain this relationship. Um, this show, this episode puts that in a really interesting light and how, yeah. lot, how far those relationships go. Because it does say that they've, they do still kind of talk because they talk about, you know, on social media and he obviously has him on his games console car comes up as a notification so they do communicate through that and yeah they probably you know they do kind of socialize through the games which is a nice way to maintain those friendships but i think i think they do become more precious as you get older and uh yeah the the way that we kind of feel that uh, men have to communicate and it has to be a certain way and and the, you have less avenues for those when you don't have things like university or like you know those things around to kind of give you an influx of new people Absolutely. all the time and i think with this sort of thing as well when you know you talk about the idea of men finding it difficult to open up to each other or have that kind of relationship mm. when you're not seeing each other face to face when you can talk over a headset while occupying your muscle memory with something else i play a lot of fighting games with a very close friend of mine mm. and we've had the most in-depth emotionally connected chats when we've not been seeing each other we're just talking because you've got that time you've got that kind of connection that, is, that can that come distance out. can help as it can well. really help especially for men that maybe aren't as used to projecting their emotions or talking about their feelings i think mm. that really is a really massively beneficial thing and sometimes episode gets so right and then takes it to its black mirror conclusion yeah it takes it <laughs> yeah past the point past the point of no return um would danny and carl have a relationship without the game nah I don't think so. I think they'll turn up at each other's birthday. Do you think they wouldn't have a f like a friendship or wouldn't have a sexual relationship or just nothing? I think neither. Because even you look at 11 years ago when they're playing, Carl then was pressuring Danny into like, hey, smoke this, you know, play this, you know, come on, do this. And that relationship then, you can see it's not it's toxic, but it's 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 very one-sided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole episode kind of spends 60 minutes reinforcing that one-sidedness. Mm. Um uh, so I don't think that I don't I think they may have fallen out of touch like they see each other once a year but I think that this game come back into his life the power of nostalgia monetized mm. nostalgia which video games are so good at doing yeah yeah of course we have such connections to them um it's interesting we never find out why they kind of pulled apart now I'm sure the sad more realistic truth is they just drifted apart but so, part of me likes to think oh maybe maybe one night they, a bit drunk yeah true I, maybe you know maybe there was something to it you know or maybe just an errant look that, that lingered i don't know yeah after a while the first thing that happens in the game would be the kid the very first thing in the very first fight is a kiss more yeah or less, right? well that's what i thought and here's another thing and we we talked a little bit about this earlier but i wanted to get to this question is is this all a deliberate play by carl he provides the console and as you said he always kind of overreaches he always extends to danny he's always reassuring he's always trying to get him back in and back on and like like i said i think he's more experienced with this as well so i think he has been around kind of enjoyed it but felt something more yeah totally i also think carl um to me is kind of coded bisexual as well 
because he makes a joke after the first kiss and he's like, oh, so you're gay now? And for him, that's so natural and it's so off the cuff and it's so like, <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't hurt him at all. Yeah, exactly. And, and he probably like, didn't expect it to freak out Danny as much yeah, as it exactly. does because he's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, totally. And I wonder that, so I do think I agree with you. I think it's a play by Carl. I think he's a, he's a, I think it's a little bit calculated. Plus I've got some really great friends. Okay. Really great friends. <laughs> But none of them have ever bought me a games console. If you're listening, and I know some of you are, you've never bought me a games console. They have Tekken in VR now. <laughs> yeah. I won't run away. Have weird. Of, oh God, no. I'll play as the panda. <laughs> um, sorry. And what was your favourite quote and/or scene? I've got two quotes that I liked. Uh, one quote I loved. Um, uh, I have two quotes I liked. One of the quotes is, I fucked a bear. But the desperation in which he <laughs> says it is just absolutely beautiful. And one of the line that I really liked, and it also goes with one of my favorite scenes, is, Roxette's gonna fuck your head off. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. It's like the first thing he says uh, when they're uh, playing 11 years before. And, you know, it, it's kind of a little bit of cheeky foreshadowing. Yeah, totally. Because that's what happens. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I love that scene because it's over the top violent. It's obviously um, has so many callbacks to um, classic video games. Yeah. And yeah, it's very Scott Pilgrim as well. I yeah. love all the little graphics and the sound oh, effects absolutely. popping up. I think that's cool. The day that VR can do that. Yeah, I'm totally, yeah, absolutely. totally down for it. I think uh, very similar, actually. My favorite parts in this as a fighting game, like massive fanboy that I am of those things. Uh, even in some of the really dramatic shots, it's framed in such a way that it looks like a fighting game. Side on shots, looking at each other like face to face, like you expect someone to go fight and they're just having it, even at dinner, even at the, um, in the restaurant during the uh, uh, anniversary scene, there's a line down the middle. It's clearly meant to look symmetrical. Yeah. And I just think it's framed so well and it really captures that kind of like head versus head. Yeah, combative. Uh, yeah, exactly. And if you want to read into this in a really ridiculous way, you could say that, you know, maybe Carl is playing like a rushdown character because he's trying to get over, he's trying to overreach, he's trying to get in his zone, but like Danny's being very defensive. He plays like a kind of blocking game and you could read the whole thing like a fighting game if you mm. wanted to. And I think that is, that's maybe just me looking for the analogy there, but <laughs> I, I think that's, I that's what I love about it. It's vague enough and it's shot in such a way that it really brings that out. Mm. Um, towards the end as well, in the very last scene where they park the cars and fight in the uh, headlights of them. Yeah. If there's not a more street fighting setup than that, yeah, uh, and then the, as it all it's falls, it's even apart, reminiscent of some of the scenes within the game they're playing. This, yeah, like, absolutely. That, that, uh, I think it's like a Hong Kong street. Uh, Shinjuku Alley, I think that's it's called. it. Yeah. yeah, and that's just amazing. So, take, taken directly from like Street Fighter Four, right? Yeah. It looks exactly like it would be. And then when it all falls apart, when this relationship deteriorates and it kind of like, you know, it comes apart. This has game over in neon in the background, and yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of heavy handed, but it works and it's so good. And yeah, it seemed kind of natural to me. Obviously, you see it and you're drawn to it, but at the same time, I was like. Oh yeah, that would be there. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're kind of abusing the game. So it will stay there. Yeah. <laughs> so it just seemed kind of normal. Um, where does this episode sit in your personal Black Mirror ranking? Did you like it? I massively liked it. I think it's really good. I think... Is it one of your favorites? It is one of my favorites. Really? Yeah, it is. I, I'm a fighting game fan. I am a polyamorous guy i think it just ticks i never thought those two things for me would be represented in media together charlie and annabelle have brought those <laughs> things together for you yeah i am i'm i'm really into it i think it's really good i think it's really actually especially with the how many black mirror episodes have a nice ending right how many of them have a good ending this one's got a really wholesome i read it as a really wholesome uplifting ending yeah i mean i hadn't thought of that i i yeah i, I see what you mean yeah it's, it's a happy ending which is rare or a or a 
as close as you kind of get to a happy ending in Black Mirror. And I think the compromise they reach from that, I think for me that made it. I was watching the whole thing with an air of cynicism of like, oh, it's just another cheating narrative kind of done wrong. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And then again, this this wonderful subversion the show loves to do. At the end, it's like, no, they actually work it out and they actually carry on. They both get what they want out of it. They both carry on doing what they want and their mm. relationship is healthy and happy and they're clearly much they're more They're both quite connected. adult about it, which yeah. is funny for a you know, uh, episode about gaming, which is still considered yeah, totally. quite childish and especially the way some of them react. Like Carl seems quite childish a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just very interesting. That yeah, his, his little pinball strop, his little depressive episode at the end yeah. where he's playing pinball and... Uh, his way of growing up is to get a cat. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, Danny like sorts out his relationship, <laughs> spends more time with his kid and Carl's like, I'm going to get a cat, <laughs> you know? Hey, little baby steps, you know, here I can commit to this. Maybe I can commit to more, you know? That's, yeah, that's maybe true. That's a good way to view it. Cheesy line. But I do think, I, I think the most important part for me, I was watching this um, with my partner in a polarized relationship. And at the end of it, we're like, this is really good. Hey, look, they had a compromise. They've got their kind of boundaries set up. They mm. both know what they want. They've got the, she can go out and get her physical stimulation. He can go to his virtual world and get his physical, yeah. quote, physical stimulation. Yeah. And everyone, it seems like a happy compromise. And they're both kind of at home with that and, and seem to be working out. And I think that's, I think that level of honesty and that portrayal in media is actually really, really, really positive. So yeah. that's cool. It does seem like a very sort of modern ending, doesn't yeah, totally. it? And and yeah, very 2019, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, I have to say, out of all, all my Black Mirror uh, episodes, I don't know where it fits in my ranking yet. I haven't worked that out. I'm still kind of thinking on it. Uh, for this series, however, out of the three, uh, it is possibly. It's probably third. Wow. Yeah, but the other two are so good. I mean, seriously, watch the other two. However, what you said about the ending is absolutely... Yeah, I hadn't th- hadn't thought about that because I spent a lot of time when I was watching it feeling a bit defensive, like, oh, they're combining games and sex, and I'm sure it's... Oh, I don't kind of like the way a lot of things deal with that, and they're two great things, but combining them, I always find a bit janky and a little bit awkward. Yeah, totally. However, they do do fantastically. I just, yeah, maybe it's my hangups with it, but I was just <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. There was a bit of tension there with like, where was it going? And I was worried about what it was going to say about uh, Danny's sexuality. Like, oh, luckily it didn't do that in a bad way, but there was so much time I had an expectation of, oh, so now he's going to be gay or oh, yeah. now he's going to be straight. Existing or, in a binary that felt un- untrue to the characters. Yeah, mm. and it just, yeah, that, yeah, it didn't feel real to the characters. It didn't feel real to life. And it, I don't know, it just made me quite uncomfortable until, of course, yes, um, then they kind of discuss it and they come to a, a quite an adult solution and they both kind of get what they want. I thought that was great. That kind of did make me go, oh, yeah. breathe oh, a bit okay. easier in the subsequent watch. I've kind of gone, oh yeah, this this, this is good. Because initially I was like, oh, I don't know if it's in my top 10. But now I think it is. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm still working out my order. One day I'll put my running order, my favorite <laughs> episodes on here. I think the problem is they're also vignette they, they, they kind of judge them on different things, right? Like, yeah. Like this for representation in terms of like what I connect to, this episode is the best thing. But well, also- funny you say that. Yeah, I, I was talking to someone uh, the other day about um, the previous episodes and they were talking about their least favorite episodes. And one of them went, oh, I just can't get on with that that game one, that, you know, that that choose your own one. I went, Bandersnatch. <laughs> they went, yes, it's not very good. I bet you didn't like it, did you? I'm like, it's one of my favourites. <laughs> so I did. And then someone else went, quite a few people have said, oh, I really like Hang the DJ, which is one of my least favourites. Interesting. So everyone has strong feelings about their favourite episodes. And of course, they're so um, powerful and they're so personal. Like, they really do appeal to um, different people. But just on the note, though, you say about like games and representation in Black Mirror. Another yeah. thing I noticed was the um, 
the headset, which is the um, TCKR. The TCKR, TCKR appears on the front cover of Edge magazine, and it says something like, the tagline is like, oh, looking into the future, or like, how can how this can change lives? And it's such good foreshadowing for what this is. I love that they do that. Do you feel that uh, Black Mirror is all one world? Yeah. You think it's yeah, all one, do, yeah. one world? In some way or another, whether it's all like a kind of a simulation in one is, is kind yeah. of put into this like one here. Show within a show. And yeah, in totally. some bits, it's all in the same time and other bits aren't. And yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I love the way they kind of link together and and putting these Easter eggs in. To me, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of more than Easter eggs because some of them really do feel like they tie it together. And some things, obviously, the, there's a repetition of some of the technologies Um fully kind of immersive vr is a, a thing that's come up a few times now uh, as well as sort of digital cloning of personalities that's come up a few times as well um but these are really cool like tech ideas i just looked at what the actual uh, edge cover line was in the episode and it says turn nostalgia into a game and if that isn't what this episode is actually about in yeah. some ways then again it's that's a- absolutely fantastic and especially with things like the uh, the classic the mini consoles at the moment yeah, absolutely. it's so relevant yeah. It's really got a finger on the pulse, right? Yeah. I wonder what playing Mario would be like in <laughs> VR. I'd be sick everywhere. Or Sonic. Oh, mate, I'd just gobble mushrooms. Like. <laughs> Get just, big. Yeah, that would be fun. I'd be like <laughs> vomiting in a ball in a corner somewhere. <laughs> um, so the arrangement that they have at the end, I think we've kind of alluded to this, so we might not do this question, but it's, do you think it was a good idea or do you think it was dooming their relationship? Uh, I think, for, I mean, I've, I've got a personal stake in this. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And I think that... Um, do you think it could be read uh, in another way? Could yeah, you see it as an erosion? It's kind of muted as well, the relationship they've got at the end. It's like, okay, you do this tonight, you do this tonight. And that muted, that mutedness can be read as either they're just so used to it, this is their thing, yeah. or, okay, fine. Well, and on the calendar, I can't remember if it's... I can't remember if it's... Um, they've got the date marked off. Is it June they 14th? do this every month? I was wondering. Or do they it. do it every year? Because there's a... The way the calendar has nothing else on it, just that, makes you feel like, okay, they really look forward to this. Is that a good or a bad thing? Again, it can be read both ways, right? Big red X, middle of calendar. What, mm, good, bad, be building up to, or yeah. to be wary of. I think that's interesting. I guess what you'd really need is a follow-on or like a, an, an extended end plate that kind of went, okay, the next time, because do Carl and Danny continue to get close? Do they get even closer, which kind of spells the end for him and Theo? Or do um, Danny and Theo kind of maintain their relationship and, and you know, continue being happy, but they're fine with their arrangement? Or do they end the arrangement? Or does Carl join them? <laughs> like, you know, Uncle Carl now lives with us. Like, he could be. I mean, you know, there are triads out there that exist like that. Yeah. So it, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, we do enough stories on it in the paper. I'm sure you do yeah, with exactly, yours yeah. as well. And the way it's framed isn't always, it's done in a kind of sensationalist way. Yeah, exactly. But hey, if it works for some people, like, and if they're happy, yeah, yeah exactly. why the hell not? I, I like the idea, like, my, my little headcanon that spins off from the end of this is that maybe one day Theo's like, what's this all, all this about then? And they go and try different configurations and different, like, you know, three of them. She's the maybe. bear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're all guys this time, maybe they're all women. Who knows? Let's, try, let's experiment. We've got this tech. Why the hell wouldn't we, you know, use it to find out more about ourselves? Yeah, that's but really cool. Maybe that's just me projecting. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're going to do the second this technology comes available. <laughs> He's become the bear. <laughs> Um, so what did you think of the cast for this one were there any standout performances yeah i think anthony mackie did a really good job of looking guilty like, yes <laughs> and that is 90 like, percent. What what he, does. he looked like the dog that got in the garbage and he knows he's going to get shouted at like that was his entire performance he's like kind of like you know, he's got guilt man he's got you feel that on him and mm. i really really appreciate how it came across it's a very I think there's also repression there like there's something yeah, and it doesn't have to be a sexual repression i just mean when you first see him in his married life he just seems 
that he's kind of he's he's, he's kind of existing, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's he's holding something in, whether it's just uh, despair or depression or just a want for more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I th- and I think that is communicated because he's not a most verbal character in this either, and it's communicated so well for his face and through his like, it's just his hand. It's kind of like almost pent like body language through it. Mm. I think it's a really tense performance and really well done. Mm, absolutely. Either way, yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Best of the episode. As I said, he does a lot of the reaching out. Yeah, totally. But he's got so much range in it. There are points where he's the, you know, the close mate, uh, the, the one who leads you astray a little bit, the, the friend, you know, who's a bit naughty, a bit cheeky. But he's also caring and compassionate and he goes from being kind of macho and showing one side and then being very sensitive and very caring and questioning, like, what are we? What is this relationship? You know, and I thought that was fantastic. Like, um, Anthony Mackie doesn't seem to do much connection unless he's in the game, in which case it's obviously different um, actors playing there. But um, but when the two are in the real world, I just, yeah, I just think Carl does. Like he he always reaches, he always delivers more emotion. Yeah, that I really enjoyed. Kind of leans into that into the role into the relationship and uh, puts a lot of, I think it's a lot of in in his eyes and his sort of like uh, eyebrows and his facial like his responses to what Mackie says. Sometimes it's, it says more than like sentences of script yeah. could say, and I think that's really impressive as well. Yeah, you can you can really read it off him, and again, it's it's so the opposite of what his character. Uh, is is trying to be like you know he's successful you know kind of player and and yet he's so emotional yeah like and, and you can't help he's very likable in the episode as a friend but also you know as a uh, partner or as a lover he, he seems very caring um what did you think of the uh, the vr actors so ludy lynn uh, as lance and roxette played by pom clementif I thought Roxette was fantastic. I didn't actually, until I saw the casting, I didn't re- recognize. We said that. <laughs> Sorry, me and producer Dan were talking about this and we did exactly the same because of course she plays Mantis in Guardians yep. of the Galaxy, but obviously she's wearing a she's lot like of a, stuff. She's got like a green screen wig on, you know? That yeah, whole thing. she's and got like, and in this, yeah, she's again kind of made up. But yeah, I mean, they did a great job as well. Yeah, totally. But they, I, th- I think they had a harder job because they're playing one facet of this relationship. You know, um, but they they do it fantastically well. And again, like, you know, Pom's playing Carl's character. So, um, you know, she's being more emotive all the time. So she kind of has more to work with there. Whereas um, the Ludi Lin playing Lance, he's kind of confused most of the time. Yeah. Or, oh, are we doing this? Okay, we're doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm enjoying this now. Oh, but I feel guilty. Like, so... That's a harder performance, I guess. And I think with the extra layer of it being kind of like maybe sort of video gamey, where they've maybe got to be, I don't think they were like playing human characters in that, as it were. I think they're playing character character characters, mm-hmm. right? So Roxette and um, uh, Lance. And I do think they did that really well as well, because it didn't come across as hammy. It didn't come across as cheesy, but you still felt that these characters would be avatars that you'd play in a game. If you choose Ryu in Street Fighter, you don't expect him to be like, Hey, I'm this normal guy. It's talking to you like a friend. Expect him to be like, ah, die villain. Oh, see, I expect him to be really verbose. (laughs) And I think I've seen plenty of memes and like little animated sequences where he just stares off into the distance looking at Akuma and just going, sorry, it doesn't really translate to uh, an audio medium, but I did a really gruff look. Everyone was terrified. I was running away. (laughs) But yeah, the the performances were great. Um, I think uh, a shout out to uh, Nicole, uh, Bahari? Yeah, I was wondering. 
a shout out to Nicole Bahari as well as Theo because I think that was really impressively done. Um, yeah, she 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 plays the betrayal in a way that kind of felt real. Um, she she was so she's questioning uh, Anthony Mackie all the time, but she's never once did I find her annoying or nagging. There was a, a need for answers there that didn't great, and you know it wasn't typical kind of it wasn't stereotypical anger it wasn't um done in a kind of weird or sassy way or anything she was really good really on point and and like i said there was just a questioning there and she was just like look i just want to know it wasn't as i said it wasn't just it, there wasn't just anger it was a i just want to know because maybe we can move past this and obviously they do really well like, i think she went from uh, very patient to very fairly aggravated quite well quite a very natural move and again at the anniversary dinner like mm. the, the, I think this episode really hinges on that scene in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, and I think she goes from, I say, patient, kind of long suffering, to aggravated but fair. And I think it's the fairness in her that really comes through in a performance. And I think mm. it's that level of, come on, just work with me, man. Like work with me, please. You well, know? yeah, and she's got her own desires as well. Yeah, you absolutely. see the scenes where she's in a bar and she's watching other people, or when the guy comes on to her, you know. So she's thinking, or she at least kind of lets you see that you know she's got these things going on in her head so maybe the reason she's questioning so much other than yes she has a right to know is well i've got things i want too and maybe if we talk about it we can come to an arrangement spoilers they do <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they yeah. were all absolutely fantastic she, she just she does like kind of smoldering quite well you can see that there's a kind of like a low-key rage to her through some of the, the the sort of leading to the later part of the episode yeah and when she's pulling into the police station and she's picking him up when they get arrested you feel like it's gonna there's some like you can just see in her face she's tired man she's like done and i think that's gonna yeah. get it really well and, and and that's the point where she kind of demands the answer and she and and you know again fantastic performance she she gets the answer what do you think about the audio kind of cutting at that point Oh, I loved it. I thought, you, you don't get like his uh, wording because it can't be misconstrued. It can't be made funny. It can't be, you know, it's quite, there's some fantastic speeches and monologues in Black Mirror. Um, but the delivery of that one, even though there's no sound, is just really good. And I think that plays into what we were saying about this maybe open-ended ending. Yeah. That the way he says it and the thing that he says, what he, the, how he chooses to communicate that, we've learned for the last 59 minutes that he can't communicate. He's bad at this. And he can't be trusted. And he can't be trusted. <laughs> so how does he then say, oh, here's how I'm feeling. Here's what I would like. We don't, we, we don't get to know that. We don't deserve to. What we know is the ending and what happens. And I think that's a really smart choice on the editor's point of view as well. Brilliant. Cool. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much to my guest, Dom, for coming in and talking to me about this episode. Thank you for having me. We absolutely loved having you here. And if you'd like to continue the discussion and talk to us, uh, we are on Twitter at, at Black Mirror Crrr. That's at Black Mirror C-R-R-R. I didn't make it up, okay? <laughs> I know it seems a bit weird. I found it out the wrong way. Why? Oh, is that why? Oh, okay, that makes sense. Still, there must have been better options. Like, it could have been, like, C... A or I don't know. Anyway, Black Mirror Cracked. We'll be right back. Mm -hmm.